This is a Liverpool Echo podcast on Anfield Plus, the home of your daily podcasts, bringing you the inside track from Liverpool FC. Well, hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to this special Anfield Plus podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Kieran Maguire, football finance expert and also a lecturer in the subject at the University of Liverpool. Kieran, thanks very much for allowing me to come in this morning. My pleasure, I'm looking forward to it. Good, well, you know, Liverpool went desperately close to glory on the field at the weekend in the Champions League final. But even though they, they just fell at the final hurdle, it's certainly been a successful season off the field in, in the Champions League for Liverpool, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think from the point of view of the club and Jurgen Klopp, getting to the final was, was probably more important than winning it from, from a, a, the ability to go forwards and compete in the market. Because they made €78 million Euros wow. from, from their, their Champions League uh, prize money and then on top of that you've got other money coming in from merchandise and bonuses from sponsors and things of that nature so yeah it's been a very successful uh 27-2018 and also the I think the brand of the club uh, and you know as football fans we don't really want to be talking about things like this but but Liverpool are playing the best football in the country mm-hmm. along with Manchester City and and that's taken now for granted um so that's going to increase their ability to get on with commercial partners and things of that nature for the forthcoming years. In terms of, you said it there, 78 million euros, when you add that to the money that they've made from the Premier League in terms of central payments and the, sh- the TV money and the, the, the extra money they get for being on the tele- television more often, would it be fair to say they're probably the most successful club in the country this year in terms of how much they've brought in, in that, from that respect? Um, y- yes and no. I-, I think that the problem that Liverpool do have is that as yet, they they're not Manchester United and Manchester United's commercial arm um, is is second to none they, they were the, they were the first in the country to to exploit the overseas market and Liverpool are probably now second in that regard uh, you know whilst Chelsea and Manchester City will report big numbers a lot of that is to do with connected parties to the club so in terms of pure purely independent you know, on the back of their own footballing success and in history and tradition and heritage uh, Liverpool are doing very well indeed they've still got some way to go though to, to catch up with United um, as has practically everybody with the exception of the two big Spanish clubs as well as reaching the final how important was getting in the Champions League again for the second successive season I think it's the first time that's happened in, in nine years yeah it, it, it was it was absolutely crucial because what we actually saw in, in 2017 was to a certain extent that the club took a hiatus it had a big increase in its wages in 2016 when Jurgen Klopp came in and then it then it trod water and, and in terms of wages and also in terms of the amount of net money that they were spending on transfers um, so they, they decided to push on for 2017-18 and therefore it was essential that having pushed on they then had something to be able to offer the squad um, and also to be able to offer sponsors and, and Champions League participation when you're being seen by it's not, it's not just the whole of Europe Union, it's, it's the whole of the world um, it, it, is, it is such a glamorous competition is absolutely crucial if they want to be dining at the top table and clearly for a, a club of Liverpool stature that's essential so what you're saying really is we can calculate the amount of money they've made this season, but maybe there's more benefits to come that we, we don't know we don't know yet know about. That's right, because what will happen is that the commercial team at the club, they will be 
they're constantly being contacted by potential partners and it's not necessarily in the UK. I mean, Liverpool are huge in Asia, they're huge mm-hmm. in Africa. Yeah, they're building up the brand back in, uh, in the US as well, as far as the owners are concerned. And by having that Champions League participation, um, the Champions League is very, very popular because of sort of the, you know, with, with time differences. It yeah. works actually very well in the States because people can watch it just as they're, yeah, they're finishing work and things of that nature. Um, and it's, it's good in Africa and, and people will stay up half the night to, to watch Liverpool. And also it's, they'll stay up because it's, it's football that they want to see. Um, you're never quite sure how many goals are going to be involved, yeah. but the chances of a nil-nil draw are pretty remote. So in this day and age, Liverpool, we've, we've seen it, you know, the, the romance involved with the, the, the European Cup, the Champions League, as it is known now, and they've got such a history in it, and such a history as a club. But in this day and age, when there are these new markets opening up all across the world, is it important to be successful now and, and, to, be, and to be going to Champions League finals? That, that's right. I mean, Jurgen Klopp's been at the club for three years, but he's not yet had, had any success in terms of delivering trophies. And um, whilst I, I think many local fans are delighted with, with the success. Ultimately, you're competing in a market for sponsors with Real Madrid, with Barcelona, with Manchester United. Manchester City could potentially come up on the rails now if, if Pep Guardiola, you know, if he starts to deliver trophies on a regular basis for City over the next few years. So it, it is a very competitive market and Liverpool want to be part of that. And at present, they're just in that, that, that step, just one below. They need trophies to be able to be on that, that top step, um, to be, to be a, a commercial success. Because what you find is that it, it, becomes, it becomes a virtuous circle yeah. and success breeds success on the, because you get the extra money coming in, which allows you to compete on the transfer market, which allows you to retain players as well. And this is one thing which Liverpool have struggled with a little mm-hmm. bit. And th- th- their very best players have been attracted um, if, if they had won the Champions League this year, um, then they could set, turn around and say to Raheem Sterling, well, hold on, you left yeah. two years ago, we've just won the Champions League. Was that decision a wise one? Yeah, and it's the danger, isn't it? Will Mohamed Salah, everyone's fingers crossed, there'll be no interest from Real Madrid this summer, but it will come, won't it? There's no doubt about it with a player, with a player of his ability. That's right. And, and they finished fourth, ultimately, they finished fourth twice mm-hmm. in, in yeah, the Premier League. Yeah, to take away the, the journey um, they've been on this season. Um, and would that be enough to uh, satisfy a player? Well, it wasn't enough to satisfy Philip Coutinho, um, who's an excellent player. Clearly, Mohamed Salah is, is, is the jewel in the crown at present. Um, there, there will be interest because Real Madrid know that they've got an ageing squad, um, so they, they will be looking to, to, to reinvest. Uh, if, if you take a look at the resources of Madrid, you know, their, their revenue is 50% higher than Liverpool's. Their wage bill again significantly higher. That allows players to exploit that and take advantage of that by by putting in for either increased wage demands at their existing club or saying, well, actually, I'm going to go to Madrid um, because they have a level of uh, appeal within within the football community itself. If you, if you talk to players, that you know it is still seen as the premier club in the world in many respects because they've won the Champions League so many times. Would it come as no surprise to you then if they offered Mohamed Salah a bumper contract this summer and, and Liverpool now in the, in the position to, to, to offer silly money, you know, bigger than a lot of their rivals in the Premier League to, keep, to try and keep players here? I know it didn't work with Coutinho, but 
can you imagine that that are trying to do that this summer? It, it, it comes down to the individual. Um, you know, if, if you are being paid £150,000 a week and somebody offers you a £30,000 pay rise, that clearly is very appealing. But you know, as Arsene Wenger used to say, you can only live in one house at a time, you can only drive one car at a time. Mohamed Salah might actually take the view that he, he walks on water as yeah. far as half of Merseyside is yeah. concerned. Um, and therefore to, to be effectively the top man in, in, in the city in, in terms of his, his appeal um, to, to the local community. Um, he seems a very level-headed guy as well and he, he's very keen to go back to Egypt and, and to, to go back to his roots on a regular basis and Liverpool you know, accommodate that very well. He might, he might take a look at the bigger picture um, but Real Madrid, Champions League winners, yeah, the most the most well known football club in the world in many respects. Uh, United will disagree with that, but I think Real, in terms of you know, global success, they certainly achieved that. Um, it, it's a difficult one to turn down, uh, but the important thing was that Liverpool do have Champions League participation next season, and they can say to Mo, "Right, that's up this year. We're going to win it next year with you." How important is it to football clubs to have that kind of icon now? You know, Real Madrid have got Ronaldo, Barcelona have got Messi, Paris Saint-Germain have got Neymar. And, and as the season's gone on, it's almost like Salah's trying, nearly in that bracket now. Mm. Is, is it important to have that one kind of superstar at a football club um, financially? Yes, yes, because um, yeah, money shouldn't be the driving force of football, but football is now a business to a far greater degree than it is in the past. And football clubs have money coming from three sources. So you've got the TV money, which is based on participation in individual competitions. There's an element of prize money as well. You've got match day income. You know, Liverpool have, I think, have made the right decision in expanding Anfield. And if they can expand it again, yeah. you know, I think that would be a feather in their cap because they, they need to be on a level playing field with Manchester United and Arsenal. And you look and see what Spurs are going to be doing next yeah. season with their new stadium. City are looking to it. So you have to actually... You actually have to, to run to stand still in many respects. And then the third issue is commercial income. Now, commercial partners, they often lose their business heads as well. If you look at the amount of money that Adidas are paying Manchester United yeah. and Chevrolet, you know, the people involved got, got to get a little bit giddy. Yeah. <laughs> and what can make people giddy is being, well, actually, if we sign this deal and we pay, and we pay an extra 20% more than we originally anticipated, we get a chance to have our products and our photographs next to Mo Salah, yeah. next to Cristiano Ronaldo, next to Neymar, next to Messi. Then they will do that because these players have have such a huge following. And also, with, with the rise of social media, they have a huge personal mm-hmm. uh, following as well. You know, if, if you look at some of the Neymar's uh, Instagram account has more followers than that of Real Madrid or yeah. Barcelona. So you are buying not only the relationship with the club, but you're buying a relationship with a player who has influence amongst people who are, you know, in terms of social media profile, they tend to be younger. Um, they tend to be quite often in, in, in a demographic which has disposable income, and therefore people want to be associated with that because they can see the benefits to their company. Certainly, sure. I speak for Liverpool fans when we say that we hope most are still here come August. Oh, August absolutely, August uh, next season. I'm, I'm hoping that for the whole of the Premier uh, League uh, yeah. because he he's lit he's lit up the league this year, um, and he's he's been a fantastic addition. 
and you know, the, the Premier League likes to market itself as the best league in the world well in order to do that it's got to be able to keep the best players most certainly and it looks like Liverpool want to add to the squad we've seen that this week the, the dust had hardly settled on the Champions League final and he announced the signing of uh, Fabinho from Monaco do you in your opinion think this could be the first of many do you think it would be a busy summer for Liverpool given the, the money they've made in the past season yes they, they've certainly got the resources to do so because um, in, in 2017 their, their net spend was around about 6 or 7 million if you take a look at 2017-18 with the sale of Coutinho yes they have bought you know, they bought Oxlade-Chamberlain they, they bought Van Dijk and some other players but actually they, they're, they're, they've, they've not Spent, had a huge amount of net cash leaving yeah. the, the, the club. The, the extra money that's come in from the Champions League, the, the fact that they just signed a new deal with uh, Standard Chartered, which has extended the, the shirt sponsorship, that's worth an extra 10 million a year. You add all of those things together, then the club has the potential to spend big. Uh, you know, if, if Everton can spend 150 million, yeah. then Liverpool can spend at least that. If, if not considerably more, but again, you, you've got to look at uh, the competition. You know, last in the last twelve months, Chelsea, Manchester United, and Manchester City each spent more than two hundred million. Wow! And people people have seen yeah the spending by the two Manchester clubs. What they don't realise is that the Chelsea spent an awful lot of money. They just spent it badly. Yeah. yeah. You look at Morata. You yeah. look at uh, Danny Drinkwater. You, you look at some of your um, Bakayoko. Uh, yeah, it, it's just um, you know, Ross Barkley. None of those have been a success. And there, there's there's two hundred million pounds really flushed down the toilet. Yeah, so really Liverpool have got this momentum at the moment. It's almost yeah. like they've got to build from position of strength almost, or build on the strength of them. That, that's right. And, and you know, I, th- I think we all know where the weaknesses are in the club, and there's no point sort of you know, raking over the coals at the yeah. weekend as well. Um, but if you take a look at the top two clubs in in the country last season, Manchester United and Manchester City. How many points are their goalkeepers worth? You know, David De Gea is worth you know, ten to twelve points a season. Aderson came in and he changed City yeah. because the previous season under Claudio Bravo, they, they the, the defence was nervous. So that is clearly the issue that they have to address. Um, yeah, they've been linked with the the Roma goalkeeper, yeah, Alisson, yeah. Alisson, for around about seventy million. That's what it costs. That's what it costs. And the, the good news is that Liverpool can do it. Yeah. Whether they choose to do it is a separate issue, but they certainly have the resources to to go into that transfer market. And bang, away you yeah. go. Because they've signed Navigator, they've signed Fabinho. Around a hundred million, would you say? For the is that the kind of figure you've you've seen for them? Yeah, I, I think it's probably probably around about I think about eighty five to yeah. ninety. Yeah, but it's, it's certainly substantial sums. <laughs> Um, yeah, there is there is significant inflation yeah. in in the market at present on the back of recent TV deals, which which is effectively it's primed the pump for all of the the clubs uh, in in the Premier League, um, and also it's made it a little bit more difficult for clubs of Liverpool's stature to to take some of the players from other clubs yeah. because they now have the resources to actually turn around and say no. Yeah. You know, if you think about what you know, Leicester were able to turn around to, to City in terms of Mares, you know, I would say probably the best player outside the top six mm-hmm. is Wolf Saha at Palace. Well, yeah. Crystal Palace are a small club, but they can still play Benteke 100 grand a week, you know, Zaha 100 grand a week. Yeah. So, so they, they've got resources coming in. I think the big issue over this summer, and there's going to be a huge fight in the Premier League, is 
how the TB monies are going to be distributed in yeah. the future. Uh, we've got two. We've got two remaining TB deals which haven't yet been signed, mm-hmm. and we know that the big clubs are going to go into the meeting in the summer and say we want a greater slice yeah. of the overseas money, and how that pans out. You know, whether they you know, threats to walk away, threats of uh, sort of European Super Leagues. I think it, it could be an intriguing summer. Um, and I just hope that those are empty threats. So it's, not, it's not in anybody's best interest. Uh, the, the, the big clubs already have a significant financial advantage over the smaller clubs. To, to, to ask for more money is, 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 is being greedy. You touched on it there, European Super League. I think the Juventus chairman or owner was speaking about it recently. Arsene Wenger's brought it up in mm. one of his last press conferences. You see the success of the Champions League. We were at Anfield on Saturday night, and I know it was the final, but there were 30,000 people there watching it on screens, basically watching it on TVs. Yeah. I don't know if it's a danger. I don't know. I can't speak for Liverpool fans. But is do you think this is something we could be more moving more to? If not a European Super League, an expanded Champions League. Yeah, I think the proposals for the expanded Champions League is is to keep it to thirty two clubs, but instead of having eight groups of four teams, having four groups of eight teams. So therefore, instantly you've got fourteen fixtures plus the round of sixteen, the quarterfinals, or something. So you you could be playing you know twenty twenty two games a season. Uh, European, so that effectively is every midweek. Um, now, what the the big clubs might be pushing for is, you know, does this mean that the the Premier League should be reduced to, to eighteen teams to accommodate this? Uh, and from the smaller clubs' point of view, you know, it's Turkey's voting for Christmas, so they they would be opposed to it. it there's there's an awful lot of politics taking place. Um, we've got FIFA with this proposal for an expanded club world competition, and that's all to do with. FIFA and UEFA being at loggerheads. Yes. Now, there's an awful lot of politics uh, involved uh, at, the, at, the, at the higher echelons of, of football administration. FIFA don't like the fact that UEFA have the best clubs, the best players, and so on, because it's uh, yeah, FIFA's a worldwide organisation, and you've got interests in Asia, you've got interests in South America, and so on, and this is their way of, of fighting back. Uh, and also, FIFA is trying to uh, replenish its image. You know, it, it's seen as an institutionally corrupt organisation. You've got to look at the issues in terms of the World Cup and, and issues to do with some of its senior executives mm-hmm. being suspended and, and things of this nature. This is a way of fighting back in respect of that. So it, it's it's, it's going to be an intriguing summer, and we've not even started on the World Cup. The World Cup's been yeah. sideshow. <laughs> yeah, you know, it starts yeah. in two weeks' time, yeah. and nobody's particularly interested, about it, you know, it, which yeah. is absolutely crazy. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And Liverpool will be central to these discussions, won't they, about the increased share of TV money from the Premier League if an expanded Champions League, the FIFA Club World Cup. They are one of the big boys, aren't they? They're going to have a say in this. That's right. I mean, they're, yeah, there's, there's the G14, the, the main clubs involved. Um, they, they have their views and uh, you know, the, with the rise of overseas ownership, the, the, the ambitions of owners don't necessarily uh, are going to be in synchronisation with that of you know, the English Football Association, which yeah, ultimately we, we want to see England win the World Cup, mm-hmm. um, and also necessarily local fans. Yeah. How would Liverpool fans feel at the prospect of... You know, it comes to January, perhaps they're not having a good season. You know, they're, they're in a group of eight and they're fifth and they're playing somebody who's seventh. 
you know, th 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 there is the potential for lots of dead rubbers in, in these, uh, in the, if, if it goes to this expanded variant. Or even if we do move to a European league of, say, 18 clubs, um, it, it sounds great. You know, you've got Juventus and Real and Barcelona and Liverpool and PSG and all that. And that sounds very attractive, certainly attractive to broadcasters yeah. and, and sponsors. But again, if you get to February and you're Arsenal and you, you know, like saying, you're you like 13th in the yeah. European Super League, you're used to being in the top four or five. Yeah. And you're playing, you're playing you know, Sevilla, who are, who are 16th in the league. All of a sudden, that becomes about as attractive as you know, Burnley versus Southampton. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, so clubs have to be a little bit careful here. You know, be careful what you wish for because only one club will be able to win that league. And remember, presently you've got five super leagues in in Europe. In effect, you've got the big five leagues, and each of them are trying to compete to get into the top four. So you've got twenty clubs who have got something to play for. If we get this European Super League, it could be that yeah, after Christmas, then what are you actually playing for? An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just on the last thing on Liverpool signings, one of my colleagues, Ian Doyle did a piece after the final on Saturday saying Liverpool should try and target a Gareth Bale and I think we all seen what he did on Saturday night I don't think anyone would argue with that are Liverpool in a position to, to buy a Gareth Bale uh, you know a, a, an established superstar so to speak with big wages and all that comes with it you, you've got to look at the cost of the whole package so uh, I think it was in the papers this morning that yeah, given that he's what, 28, 29 now um, yeah, could you get him for around about 120 million if that's the case, then Liverpool could buy him. You know, Liverpool certainly have the resources. Liverpool, United, City, Chelsea. Those would be the four clubs. You won't go to Chelsea because they've not got Champions League. Yeah. So, so there's potentially there's three clubs here in the UK. Certainly the way that he was talking on Saturday night, that was as blatant to come and get me yeah. as, as <laughs> it would be uh, feasible. Um, but then on top of that, you've got his wages. Now, as I said to you earlier, Real Madrid's wage bill is probably around about half again of that of, of Liverpool. So he's on you know, 400 grand net uh, a week. Is he prepared to take a pay cut to say a quarter of a million a week? Yeah. Could he survive on that? The estate agents on, on Southport will be <laughs> rubbing, <laughs> rubbing their hands together at the prospect of that. Um, he's... He's got, he's got to decide what's most important to him. Um, is it to, to play football on, on a regular basis? Um, and if he wants that, then how important is the money issue to him? Uh, he, could, he could certainly add something to Manchester City, but I'm, I'm not convinced that they're that interested in him because he doesn't fit in with their age profile. They're, they're trying to target younger players. Um, United, you know, United are an unknown, but... The, you know, the, I think one, the one thing counting against Manchester United at present is that the style of football they play is yeah. um, it's pretty turgid mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Brighton fan and we, we beat them this season we played it's them three times yeah. Yeah. Um, and on none of those occasions they, they were efficient they were workmanlike um, Mourinho is a roundhead Klopp is a cavalier yeah. Guardiola is a cavalier now who do you want as your manager so, so that I think there are there are more important things. You know, if if uh, if Gareth Bale wants to become a better player, he would then look at the three managers of those those three main clubs and say, "Well, 
which of those three? And I think with the, the nurturing approach of, of Jurgen Klopp, yeah, that would be a very positive for him. I think the same would be the issue at City. I'm, I'm just not convinced where he would play at City because he's, he's not going to replace De Bruyne. He's, you know, he's, Sane, he's, he's going to... Sane, Sane is, is what? Yeah, he's, he's got 21, yeah. 22. He's scary. Um, you've got Jesus up front. It, it, it is... I'm going for options, aren't yeah. um, So why would they want need to sign a 28 or 29-year-old? To Liverpool's finances then as a club, their, their annual accounts came out earlier this year, I think yep. March time, obviously they were for, for last season, 16-17, yep. what did you make of them? Um, I, I do think it was a, a year of taking stock, of, of slowing things down slightly because um, in 2015-16 in they, they'd gone from a club with a wage bill of 150 million to 200 million and, and that meant that they're effectively now, if, if, if you sort of look at their, their peer group, they they are pretty close to, you've got Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal all around about the same band, and then you've got the two Manchester clubs up top. And far below that is, is Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Spurs are, are very, very good at extracting uh, you know, r- very, very good results from, from uh, they are they're closer to to Southampton and Everton and even Newcastle. Their, their, their weight bill wasn't that much higher than mm-hmm. Newcastle's was for, for getting promotion from the championship. Um, I, th- I think the, the, the finances are, are good. Uh, yeah, they've, they've got a good relationship with, with the owners. Um, FSG are lending money at relatively cheap rates. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of significant external debt to, to worry about. They can, they can fund that debt. They've had, clearly they've had to go and pay for the expansion of the main stand, but that's now starting to generate the income to, to pay for itself. Um, and, and that could be uh, an issue. Again, you, you, you've always got to compare yourself to your peer group. You know, how are Spurs going to cope next season? Because the cost of the new White Hart Lane has far exceeded expectations. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Liverpool have done well to, to get their expansion in broadly on budget. They, therefore, cash is going to be going out to deal with you know, the ongoing loan costs of that, but that that's easily covered for. I think they're in a very strong position, um, not as strong as the two Manchester clubs. We don't know what's happening with Chelsea. Um, you know, Abramovich's visa is that going to cause him yeah. to to lose interest? And and he, you know, he is he is he's as inscrutable as ever. Um, so does that mean that Chelsea are not really going to be competing? Because at the st- where we are now, the most important thing for Liverpool is to get in the top four yeah. for the end of next season. Because they do it three years in a row, that, they have that virtuous circle and the ability to continue to attract very, very good players is, yes, money's important to players, but Champions League exposure is good for players because you know, they have their own personal deals and, and, and relationships with sponsors. And one of the things the sponsors always want is Champions League participation. So I think Liverpool are uh, in, in a strong position they they still have some way to go before they can match the two Manchester clubs, um, and whether that gap can ever be uh, closed completely financially is is something I'm not certain about. Uh, because if you're if you're dealing with a sovereign wealth fund of a, a Middle Eastern state, you, you've got no Good chance. Luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good luck. Um, and United have yeah yeah the thing is United loathe them or loathe them. It's, it's a case of you've got to admire their ability to extract dollars yeah. um, and, and um, they, they've been very successful at that oh, historically uh, the Glazers run a, run a tight ship and 
you know, I, I know plenty of United fans or many friends who are United fans, and they say the players haven't put the money in. Well, actually, they yeah. they they have backed the manager yeah. kind of financially. Um, it's, the way they've gone about it, taking over the club, is is a separate issue, and I'm all for uh, you know giving them pelters for that. But uh, they they back the manager in the market. So if Liverpool may not be able to catch. United and City off the field is there a chance to maybe put a bit of a gap between themselves and say an Arsenal who look in the opposite direction at the moment to what Liverpool are going in yeah Arsenal are in a I'd say a, I wouldn't say it's not they're, they're a bit lost yeah. now clearly the, the, the Wenger era is over um, Stan Kroenke is a bit like Abramovich is that he's an owner where you're getting nothing from, from him um, they have started to spend more money in the market uh, in the last two or three years than they did historically. And again, if you, if you listen to Arsene Wenger uh, and his achievement, which is very similar to that of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, mm-hmm. was being able to deliver a, a club that was in the top two or three year in, year out, when they did have some degree of financial constraint. Uh, and, uh, he, he effectively allowed the club to pay for the Emirates um, and now those debts are being paid down. So Arsenal now are in a position to to spend more money in in the, in the transfer market and and to pay significant wages. They've not got Champions League. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to, to rectify that over the course of the next twelve months? Sometimes having a year out does you good, um, but for Arsenal now it's, you know, it's, it's two years out. And what's the new manager's philosophy? Yeah. You've You've only got to look to see what's happened at United in the post-Ferguson era, where they've been, you know, they're, yeah, for a club of Manchester United stature, for for the the highlight of their season is to see a former player win the Champions yeah. League. That's pretty, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, pretty that's damning, setting, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's setting the bar pretty low. Uh, yeah, when you're having to hold on to things of that nature. Um, yeah, I think the, the potential is. If they get in the Champions League 2018-19, then there is going to be a gap of you know 40 to 50 million a year uh, between Liverpool and the two two those two London clubs. Could Spurs join Liverpool at that level? They they could in terms of uh, and I'd expect their match day income to exceed that mm-hmm. of Liverpool. What Spurs don't have is history heritage in terms of European success and the ability to therefore attract. Um, a global audience um, and a global fan base and global sponsors to the same extent that they can at Anfield. Before we wrap up, I'll ask you about FSG in, in a moment, but you've touched on it a couple of times in this conversation about expansion of Anfield again and Anfield Road. I know there's a lot of concentration on the, the training ground at the moment and it seems like they're really going to back clop in the market to, to keep the on-the-field pitch going along. Do you think it's a must that they, they need to do something with Anfield Road, Liverpool? Doing again what we've seen on Saturday nights, the amount of, and we know how many people are waiting to get into the game each week. But if 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 they do it, they will sell every ticket. Um, presently, you've got United generating one hundred and ten million from match day. You've got Arsenal generating one hundred million from match day. Liverpool around about sixty to seventy. So by increasing capacity to 60,000 it's going to it's going to help to bridge that gap to a degree uh, i think the the, the the viewpoint of the club is liverpool is it's, it's not london it doesn't have the same degree of uh, wealth 
the, the, the fan base. So therefore, they've got to be careful in terms of not upsetting fans and pricing yeah. pricing fans out out of the game. Um, if you take a look at Chelsea's plans for their new stadium, twenty eight percent of uh, the, the new stadium's seats are going to be going to the Prawn Sandwich Brigade yeah. to sponsor the corporation. I think it could it could act in one or two ways. Liverpool, Liverpool's local fan base, incredibly passionate, incredibly well informed as well. You know that they you've only got to look at the you know the blogs and, and the fanzines and that. They they know the the internet, and if, and if they feel that the club is doing this to simply expand the the commercial income, uh, or, or rather the sort of the hospitality area, and uh, there's not going to be benefits for the local fan base. It, it could backfire to an element. Having said that, as I said to you before, every ticket will always be sold out because Liverpool is one of those cities which does attract the football tourist. And that's not a criticism of either the club or the city because the city benefits hugely. Yes, you, yeah. you, you've only got to, you speak to hotel owners when when Liverpool are at home. It's it's no vacancies mm-hmm. um, throughout the whole, um, but. Um, it would allow them to, again to, to catch up um, because their competitors yeah, City are likely to go to expand their capacity a little yeah. bit further um, although again City's fan base isn't of the same degree of wealth and, and you're not getting some, so many of the, the football tourists coming in um, you know, I, I do an analysis where I look at how much money clubs are extracting per fan yeah. per season and Liverpool are, 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 you know, are a little bit below that of you know, Chelsea and Arsenal, where prices are obscene uh, for what historically has been a working class game. I think the fan base would allow it because you've you've got all these people on the waiting list for season tickets, and you know if they if they expand the capacity by an extra six thousand and three and a half thousand of those seats go to potential new local fans. I I think from a, from a moral uh, point of view, then Liverpool should do it because yeah. these are the people supporting the club since it was formed continue to do so week in week out continue to make the noise and continue to make Liverpool a place where everybody's heard of in, in terms of football around the world because they do have such a good reputation in uh, in terms of you know, their knowledge you know, the humour of the club the, the links with, with the city and, and the music and everything which is socially in Liverpool mm-hmm. which is so appealing just one on the owners before we do definitely wrap up because you took up enough of your time already. But FSG, they obviously took over the club and it was in a bit of a mess. There's no question about it. How do you think they've done in, in the preceding years? Um, I, I think uh, if, if you take a look at their net spend on players, because I know fans are obsessed with this. Um, there, there's, there's good things and bad things. On Twitter, it is a big yeah. debate, isn't it? Yeah, um, uh, uh, and certainly as a finance person, I suppose take a step back from some of those views <laughs> that seem a little bit uh, a little bit one um, they, they have stabilised the club they have allowed the club to to reform itself um, in terms of its ability to compete uh, it, it was to a certain extent it was entering a wilderness period um, and it has, it has taken time um, and I think the, the fans have been reasonably patient um, and, and I think from FSG's point of view, they're beginning to see the fruits of their labour now coming through. Um, and assuming that they continue to want to be involved with the club. And in football, you know, it's a case of, of never say never. If, uh, if the Middle Eastern Wealth Fund comes in and says to FSG, well, we'll give you two billion. Yeah. 
they will take it mm-hmm. um, because yeah, in my my calculations you know and so I look at KPMG's calculations we're looking at a, at a club they bought for 300 million they could sell it today for 1.5 billion so that's it from their point of view it's 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 a huge return i think from there from fsg are saying well if we if we win some trophies if we're constantly appearing in the champions league we actually think the club will be worth more than that now what do fsg want in terms of the owners you know they love they like the prestige the 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 atmosphere you can get at anfield on what do you think that those those european nights this year are were just thunderous and to be part of that yeah. actually is more important than money. Um, you know, the, the owners of FFG are, have sufficient wealth that they, they, they would never be in a position where they need to sell. Um, they've done a good job. They turned, they bought the club for 300 million. They've got a big return on that if they want it. And sometimes actually it's just nice to know yeah. if I had to sell it, it's, could, there. it's there. Um, yeah, if, if, I was, if I was grading them, University yeah. exam, I'd yeah, give them a B plus at least, uh, yeah, not, if not an A minus. Perfect way to finish. Just uh, can you just give your Twitter account a plug? Because it's really interesting reading. Uh, you know, for people, cause more and more people, not just your students, football fans, are become more clued up on this now, aren't they? Well, I, I, I run the the, the price of football dot uh, com blog uh, on, on football finance, yeah. and I'm, I run you know, I'm, I'm price of football on, on Twitter. I think I still use my name, which is Kieran Maguire. Yeah. I just want to put information out there for fans, and, and, I, and I genuinely, everything I put out is, is from an objective point of view, because um, you know, as an academic, you, you stand or fall on, on the quality of your independent research. So um, yeah, with the exception of calling Crystal Palace a small club, and <laughs> uh, as, as they're the rivals of my team, um, you know, I, I, I will try to, to keep people informed, because the internet loves a vacuum. And uh, therefore, it's up to myself, myself, people like myself. And there's another guy called Kieran Connor, who's known as the Swiss Ramble. Yeah. Kieran's, you know, he's been doing this for, for ten years, um, and uh, he's uh, he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so I'd always recommend people if they want to learn about finance, follow, follow the Swiss Ramble as well. Kieran, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. You've been listening to an Anfield Plus podcast on the LFC Echo app.